Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, something we've not done before, a podcast where we're previewing an FA Cup final. My name is John, with me is Mike. Good, hello. Hello. Uh, and Colin. Good evening. And Jason. And a very good hello evening. Yes, uh, <laughs> it is uh, Tuesday evening. This is you'll be listening to this on Wednesday, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday, maybe even Saturday before Watford play an FA Cup final. Yeah, we're going to look back on this FA Cup run, look back on past FA Cup success, and uh, well, look as well as looking ahead to well playing Manchester City. Mike, uh, on Saturday we we spoke about this game that's coming up. Have you, have you done anything else? FA Cuppy since Saturday. Uh, I've had my picture taken next to the mural. I've taken some pictures of the mural. I've I've just been really super excited. What I've done is I've had a you know when you're really really tired and you have a coke or if you're hung I tell you what you're hung over and you have a McDonald's and you feel the life coming back into you. <laughs> when news came through about Jose Holobas's uh, red card being rescinded it felt like a massive weight had been lifted off my shoulders and I, that was had this resurgence of FA Cup joy and I've just ever since that moment I mean I was excited anyway but ever since that moment I've sort of been floating a little bit and just uh, I've seen people starting to post on, on Twitter and, and, and on the socials how many sleeps left to go and I kind of I'm down with that that's how I feel now it's sort of I've got that boyish excitement so um, I've been seeing if I could get to where is it Croxley where they've got their little FA Cup you can hold up but just trying to think of anything I can do FA Cuppy and if it comes my way I'm going to do it god damn it <laughs> but Colin Mike mentioned there uh, Jose we were quite glum and down um, that he wouldn't be playing in the final but he is. His red card against uh, against West Ham United was rescinded. Joy of joys. Well, you say he's going to play in the final, but, you know, yeah. Adam Messina might have something to say about that. <laughs> Javi Gracia might have something to say about that. Yeah. If I, he I, doesn't, Diana, Diana Holobas will yeah. certainly have had something yeah. to say. I, I think she's more frightening than Jose, so I, think, I suspect he'll be playing. Also, the tube strike's been cancelled. Yeah. So my feeling is that it's just, it's got Watford win written all over it. <laughs> I, the red card, that red card, even on match of the day, will never be rescinded. They're never going to do that. You said it should be, but it's never going to happen. It has happened. Someone somewhere went, we're really going to, as I said on the Sunday, we're really going to rob this 32-year-old Greek fella of playing in a cup final. And they went, no, we're not. And it's, that's, that's been really, really, really terrific. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Although someone did say to me, yeah, I mean, at least he's been rescinded so he can get sent off in the cup final. <laughs> Which is not entirely out of the question, is it? When you're playing against, you know, Sterling and Sane and players like that. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm really pleased uh, uh, that we can all get to the game and glad that we're going to see one of our best players this season one of our best performers play in that final so it's really good In the podcast we're going to you know, see what this FA Cup final means to each of us throughout the podcast and we've even got a, what, it's, what it's going to mean uh, to, uh, to Arlo To Jason you know, for you what's it mean going to Wembley this Saturday in the FA Cup final? It's the 1984 FA Cup final I didn't go to that's, that's <laughs> what it's and I have very much got cup fever and that's not the slightly croaky voice and the sniffling in the background you can hear that's child germs but, but I yeah I'm absolutely buzzing for this cup I want it to be like it was when I used to watch cup final grandstand in the 1980s I want the whole day to be immersed in the FA Cup final I'm a bit of a sort of old romantic I do like sort of old football uh, and part of me is going oh it's not a three o'clock kickoff but actually that's not that bad because it means we can enjoy it the whole day I'm going to be taking lots of pictures. I've got a WhatsApp group of European colleagues and I'm already trying to work out what picture I'm going to take, what message I'm going to send them because Cup Final Grandstand always told us how many millions of viewers are watching the game worldwide. So all these guys are going to be watching the Cup Final on Saturday and I'm going to tell them that I am there at the game and they'll be so impressed. (laughs) 
It's, it's amazing, and that, that I've been trying to think about what what it, what this means as well. And I think that that pride that that personally we're going to be there in this. You know, I said it before, and I stand by it. The most famous club game in the world, the FA Cup final. Everyone knows what it is. Everyone's heard of it. It means so much all the way all the way around the world. And just just coming to the ground today, I saw. You know, I live I live in Chesham, so not in not in Watford heartland, but you started to see even out there flags. People wearing Watford shirts on non-match days, and and for someone like for someone like Watford out there, you don't see that very often, and it's starting to sink in that we're going to be the focal point for that one day. And I think, as Jay said, uh, and as I said, we have to immerse ourselves in this day and enjoy it, enjoy our club being front and centre, uh, and make the most of it. They've earned it. It's a, it's it's almost unreal. It really is unreal that we're, that we're going to be there. And I think that, that Jay hit the nail on the head. Immerse ourselves in it from minute one right right to the very end. And just having Watford at the focal point, it's the pride that we feel of our club being involved in this game. is It's just immense and it's growing by the day. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. So we are going to Wembley on Saturday. We played some games before this in an FA Cup run. Colin, it started, and we gave it our number one slot on our top ten of the season in our last podcast, the, the cardboard, tin foil covered FA Cup that was held aloft at Woking. We started at Woking, uh, which was just one of those away days I haven't had for a very long time. At the Lathwaite Stadium. I was expecting to pick up a couple of cases of wine. <laughs> uh, no, different Lathwaite. Um, brilliant day out. I mean, it's great to get a non-league club in the third round, isn't it? I mean, in a way, it's, the, it's perfect because it's a totally different experience of football than we normally have. We normally come here, you know, all the razzmatazz of the Premier League and all we go away to, to, you know, big clubs all over the country to watch our team play and then you, you find yourself standing on a stone terrace and I took my daughter Florence and she said I've got my ticket down but where do I stand where do I stand I said you stand anywhere that's the point of a terrace and I said just make sure you stand behind someone short so you can see the game but also you're much closer to the pitch to the players I mean one of their players they, the people were looking up their names and one of them had quite a comical name I can't remember what it was but they were yelling at him as he came running on board and he, and he was like really? Is that, they just come in to take the mickey out of me but it was a brilliant atmosphere and I thought Woking did it really really well and uh, we'd also we'd met Martin Tyler so we had a kind of connection with it and we felt a bit more closer to the, the fixture but, on, but of course it's an enormous banana skin yeah. and you know and you can, you, can, you can really go wrong in a hurry at that sort of game for a Premier League side if they're not properly prepared mentally uh, mentally prepared really physically of course they're fit and they're ready to go but mentally they've got to be ready and it's, they're going to be playing players who are very different from the sort of players they normally play against and I thought they coped with the whole day really well I think the club did, did very well by Woking there was a lot Javi stayed afterwards signed a lot of autographs lots of the players stayed afterwards signed autographs for the, Woke, for the Woking fans not for necessarily for the Woking fans I think they made some gifts and you know not in a patronising way just in a really wholehearted footballing way and the game itself went by and it was all fairly comfortable. We got a goal uh, and then we got a second goal. Uh, Semmer came on and made a nice pass to Dini, who'd also come on and he scored. And, and, uh, and yeah, so we all went home happy. What I, lo- what I love looking back on that game is that there was an element of romance about it, wasn't it? Like Colin said, it's an FA Cup third round. That's what you want. That's what, if you're going to keep the, the magic of the cup alive, and I know that's a cliche, you want new experiences like that. But those new experiences almost need to hark back to... 
older football, like Jason's mentioned already, standing on a terrace, going somewhere you've never been before, sort of stepping slightly into the unknown, facing a banana skin and come, coming through it. I think looking back on it, it was the it was the perfect third round draw and the perfect sort of the perfect first step on the on this road to Wembley. I love it. I love that that was our first game in this road, in this in this cup run. The second one was away at Newcastle. Oh, another Premier League side. We played them before. That's really boring. It was good in many ways for our goal scorers and the players that played because Jason, it, it wasn't the players that Chris Sutton expected Watford to play. No, it wasn't even pygmies in the land of giants, was it? It was baby pygmies in the land of giants because we, we sort of wheeled out the changes. And it almost sort of set the tone of, of I guess, us against them. But yeah, it's Chris Sutton complaining that we're not respecting the competition when clearly the, the, the players that we had out there were good enough to win the game because they did and, and reasonably comfortably against a side that okay they made a few changes as well but not massive changes no one seemed to be worried about that did they and it was a team that we hadn't been able to beat up there earlier in the season and that we struggled to get a point against down here as well so expectations may have been quite low when fans saw the uh, saw the team sheet initially but the guys had a point to prove Javi wouldn't have started them if he didn't believe they could do the job and they went out and, and sort of rewarded him with that I think, I think there's a wider point to make about because I am incredibly passionate about the FA Cup not just because we're we're in the final and people talk about uh, the denigration of the FA Cup and people not taking it seriously and I think the media have a lot to answer for when it comes to that because Chris Sutton was obviously the most vocal but, but famously none of us made it to, to that cup and I remember Colin saying we've got to go what if this is the one game we don't get to and we win the FA Cup and uh, well we'll leave, leave that hanging we'll perhaps talk about it next week but we were listening I was watching on TV listening on radio I was out mowing the lawn doing various bits and bobs and Chris Sutton was by no means the only yeah. only one sort of bemoaning Watford's, Watford's lineup. and of course as Jason's just said it's a strong strong lineup, and it's I don't like the phrase lazy journalism because I don't think there is such a thing for proper journalists. It's an incredibly hard job. But really, if you take the time to dispassionately look about what you're saying, you're saying that a club is going to hire and pay a group of players that aren't good enough. Because if you put, because they're either good exactly. enough or they're not, and they're on the pay, payroll, they're being paid a decent amount of money. Javi Gracia, a Premier League manager, managed all around the world, has selected them. They're going to be good enough. So I think, I think as supporters, we don't need to fall for that guff that those guys say and I think they need to be called out on it and I think Watford fans did a terrific job of rallying around and, and making sure Chris Sutton um, knew that he'd, he'd dropped a clanger and I think he, he took it in quite in good humour and, and as, the, as the run has gone on he's made reference to it um, possibly a little bit too subtly for some um, but I think as supporters we, have, we do need to stand up for the FA Cup we do need to stand up for our sides yes they're not the sides that turn up week in week out that doesn't mean it's a weak inside I hate that phrase it winds me up I can tell yeah. <laughs> I also think more. That I agree 100% with what's just been said but also I think more than that for the club itself it was a really important day that Newcastle game because he came out and, and was asked a question why have you made all these changes and he said because I, I believe in all my squad I believe in all my players yeah. I don't just believe in 11 of them plus 3 you know, normal substitutes I believe in all 25 and he gave them that belief and they went out and they did him, they did him proud Penaranda to Queener to success 2-0 they showed him that they were good enough and that his belief was correctly placed and I think it did a lot for us as the season then developed because these players felt they, could, they felt like they were part of the squad they weren't just Monday to Friday footballers who were just there to, can you stand in a wall so that Delafair can practice his free kicks they were actually part of the squad and they were playing and they got to play in a big game a fourth round FA Cup tie against Newcastle it is a big game if you're 19 if you're anyone frankly and I, th- I thought it was a very important moment 
And we, we came through the next round, Jason, away on a Friday night in QPR for the third game wearing green. It was a, it was a physical game. It was a, a sort of game you'd expect when you play a championship side. Yeah, I sort of begrudgingly respected QPR after that game. I thought McLaren did a really good job in setting them up. He, he sort of packed the midfield. He knew because we weren't playing and we don't play very wide that he didn't worry too much about the uh, sort of the wider areas, and and we found it a struggle. And it took a half decent finish from our player of the season, Etienne Capu. It was it wasn't easy to find the corner through that crowd of players, but got us a goal. We were a bit unlucky, maybe not to, to score again. I think Andre wasn't offside, was he? When he was, yeah. when he was called offside, but then right at the end, they they had a chance. And and again, we sort of talk about the magic of the FA Cup, and it's that kind of thing. You know, when you're up against a, a, a lower league side, they and the games are tight. They probably are going to get a chance in those last five minutes. Nerves are going to set in, no matter where you are in the 92. If you've only got a one-goal lead and it's a knockout cup competition, you're going to get a little bit nervous. And, and we showed that a little bit, and they had that chance. Thankfully, they are championship, <laughs> and, they couldn't, and they couldn't take the chance safely through to the next round. But I think uh, Colin's point is right. I think these we're talking about the FA Cup quite rightly, but I think the, we can't overlook the galvanising effect these performances had on, on our season, which you know we said in the, in the last podcast has, has ended up being a good one. And I think we were approaching the time of the season when previously we started to worry about our performances tailing off. And this is exactly the sort of game, um, and again, this is a cliche, surprise, surprise for me, <laughs> but previous years, we'd have lost that game. You know, the, Mill, the Millwall, the Millwall yeah. game in the Cup is, is probably the, uh, the closest comparison. And we just got rolled over. We didn't turn up. There was a team, a disparate bunch, who weren't really that, that fussed about playing. It was a funny kick-off time on a Sunday. Um, and it was a similar thing with QPR away, wasn't it? A Friday night, odd kick-off time. I thought the atmosphere probably played into our hands a bit and the fact that QPR weren't having, were having a poor season. I expected it to be quite a febrile atmosphere and it was a, it was a funny funny one, but we, we rolled the sleeves up again. It was a, it was a, a team that was changed and they got the, the job done. And the, the fact that we would have lost that game last year or the year before was important, obviously important for the cup runs. If you don't win it, we're not here tonight. But it helped... And I just think it helped, like, like Colin says, that in, behind the scenes, in the changing room, everyone feels a part of this football club. Everyone feels a part of that, this campaign. And the FA Cup has played a, a big role in that. But that was, a, that was a massive win. And I think that's probably the moment when I started thinking, Ooh, hang on, hang on, this could be something special. Because the next round, Colin, yes. the, the sixth round, Out also the, the quarterfinals. Out of the hat, popped. <laughs> One of our favourite teams, Crystal Palace. <laughs> Fortunately, at home, so we're in the yellow and black stripes. But when we play Palace, there's always a lot going on. There's a lot of edge. And also, we'd had a very nice win before the game. Yeah, we, we played them at, at, at Sellers Park and, and cleverly had stuck his winner in quite late in the game. Also, a, a redemption from the previous season where he got sent off and we lost. So there, there was, there was a lot, there's, a, there's always something, you know. They, they do count, they say now, Palace fans, that they definitely count us as, as direct rivals. It's not just there's a bit of ni- niggle, it's actually they, you know, we don't really like each other very much. We don't like Wilf. And we had the Harry the Hornet falling over and Sam Allardyce saying it was a disgrace and the FA had to do something about it. We've had a lot of incidents. We've had the playoff final, we had the cup semi final. There's been a lot going on in the last few years between us and Palace. So out they pop, of course. Watford versus Crystal Palace. And I, I personally, I just felt sick in my stomach with nerves because <laughs> I thought they're going to do us. Because that's what they do. When we play them in big games, they always find a way to do us. Uh, but this time, no. 
did well as well. Another one where we had to, we went ahead relatively early, wasn't it? Kapu put us ahead, and I think we looked we looked comfortable. But then, of course, Palace equalised, and you think we've all been there with Watford. You think every, I think everyone, every footballer, every football fan fears the worst, don't they? But you think, ah, oh, we've seen this, we've seen this gig before. We know how it ends, and and you think that that Watford are going to go on and lose it, and Palace gallivant off to another another semi final. However. As, as in the previous round they dug deep they worked hard uh, and uh, it was Andre that popped up wasn't it in the end to, uh, to, 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 get, to get the goal and it was another performance that I think speaks of the season it was, it was gutsy it was tough in a situation where previously we may, we may well have lost um, against a team where there's plenty of previous and there's lots in the build up about how many and what, what a touch that was I thought by the, by the club actually to, to restrict the away fans because that, oh, yeah. that boiled some, um, yeah, some pee didn't it amongst the, the, amongst the Palace fans and I think the club are absolutely right just to, if you've got a chance of getting an edge take it and, and I, hope they, I hope they do it again quite <laughs> frankly you've got to if you've, you know it's a, it's a competitive world isn't it football is and you want you want every, you know, um, was it marginal gains? Uh, slightly disgraced um, or discredited theme that Dave Brailsford had there. But everything you can do to give yourself a, an advantage, do it. So I thought the club um, thought the club did it well. But most importantly, the team delivered on the pitch in a game that, as Colin said, it was one of those. It feels like a derby, doesn't it? And you don't want to lose in the league to them because you know you're going to get you're going to get bantered off for, for weeks on on social or whoever, wherever you are in the pub or whatever. But to lose in a in another knockout game to Crystal Palace, having been turned over in the playoff final, having been turned over in the semi final, having been asked, did we cry at Wembley for seemingly the last thirty years by uh, the, the striping <laughs> idols? Well, Atta now, fellas, um, enjoy watching us in the cup final this Saturday at five o'clock. We won't be thinking of you, but you'll be sitting at home annoyed that it's us instead of you. And quite frankly. Uh, I don't want to be mealy-mouthed about it, but I love that. <laughs> then we're off to that big place we're going back to, Jason, off to Wembley. And we went there for the FA Cup semi-final uh, against Wolverhampton Wanderers. And it was a special game purely from the fact that, I don't know, walking to that Wembley, it f- didn't feel like our cup final. But seeing all the Wolves fans all dressed up in their sombreros, it felt like their cup final. It felt like they were going to win their cup final because they were 2-0 up, but it didn't end there. And again... It, it wasn't a, a, a FA Cup Watford side made up of the others who we know are proven and can do a job. It was a full-strength Watford team doing their thing. Yeah, I think the, the, the point about Wolves feeling like it's their Cup final, not for us, probably because of all those disappointing appearances there, all those the other two disappointing appearances there in recent times. So we've had those games, and, and it, I guess you sort of turn up... We know how these can end up sometimes, so let's not get too overexcited, but excited enough to get behind the team. Um, and what a, what a game. Uh, incredible. I, I was gone at 2-0. I was done. In fact, I think I was recording a piece yeah, yeah. for the podcast when the second goal went in, and it's on record of me saying, that's it, game over. Oh, how wrong was I? Fantastic. <laughs> Before we go on anymore, Jason talks about enjoying the game and getting behind it as much as we can. And at this point, I think... What I'd really like to do is hat tip to the eighteen eighty one because I think we've all seen what they've done at home games um, throughout the season. You know the atmosphere has improved immeasurably. The displays, which we have to reiterate, all come out of money raised by them. They don't get they don't get support from the club, which is completely unlike other other clubs. So we've seen what happens at home, but for stuff like Wembley, they made sure that. They, what they wanted to do happened, which is they generated a big atmosphere, and they did that by hard work, blood, sweat, and tears from a small band of, of those guys who took on the 
really dull administrative task of getting people sorted, dealing with the club, getting money, making sure people followed instructions. And I think that really helped um, deliver the did help deliver the atmosphere. And of course, that incredible display at uh, at, Vickery, uh, at Wembley, which I think you know, it all adds up to, to you remember it, don't you? Remember the day everyone's got that that image of the of the colourful. Um, the flags and everything embedded now in our, in our mind. It's part of Watford history. It's something that we'll think fondly of. But that's down to those guys. There's a little knot of people who have made things happen. And that doesn't just happen. We know how hard it is to get four of us in the same place to record a podcast, let alone, you know, five, six, seven thousand people in the same place paying their money. Absolutely brilliant from those guys. They do it. They do away games week in, week out as well. So for me, just keeping an eye on, on what they've been doing in this FA Cup run, I think has really brought it home to me just what a brilliant job those guys have done. And I think we, uh, we owe it to them just to give them a little hat tip on the pod. Well, they've uh, they oh. de- decorated Vicarage Road on many occasions. They've decorated Wembley and they've decorated the entire Watford High Street uh, in the last couple of uh, days, uh, making it look and feel like the whole town is, I, is ready. Can I just say, we've lost a lot of semi-finals. We've lost a lot. But we didn't lose this year. No, so we won, We lost in 70, we lost uh, in 87, we lost against Southampton, we lost against Man United, we lost against Crystal Palace. Plus, you can throw in a couple of League Cup semi-finals that we didn't get through. And, you know, to, to come back from 2-0 down in what is our seventh or eighth semi-final in, in major domestic, uh, we've only won one. We know that in 1984 against a lower, you know, we were the favourites. It was against a lower tier club, but we were up against someone that was definitely on a par with us, but not greater than us. And I think there was no favourite really in that game where the media tried to make Wolves a favourite and Wolves fans certainly thought they were the favourites. But in the end, we fought back and we won a semi-final and it's a massive achievement to get into this final. It really is. Not just an achievement, but the way it was done and to hear people talking about it in, you know, this is one of the great FA Cup semi-finals ever. One of the great... um, one of the great Wembley comebacks of all time. Just the way that the effusive way in which neutrals were talking about it, and commentators in the media and and TV and print were talking about it, and it still gets referenced today with with the with journalists sort of going through their stories of the year. And I know that it's, it's been referenced as one of the the most jaw dropping moments in one of the one of the on one of the papers. We cannot underestimate. You know, it's not it's not it's not Troy Deeney at home to Leicester because that just everything that, that all the component parts of that were just ludicrous. But it's not far off. And I think a lot of people enjoyed that game, which doesn't happen often these days in semi-finals. They're often very, very turgid affairs that end up... The odd, odd goal decides it as a mistake or a penalty. Um, so for Watford to have played a part in a, a genuinely memorable FA Cup semi-final is something that we should all be incredibly proud of as supporters. But obviously massive credit to the team for, for delivering it and again it's something that we will treasure forever you know just standing here talking about it I wasn't there but I can I know how you guys will have felt I know everyone how everyone would have felt and as you've seen the pictures and it's just one of the most another amazing moment that Watford have played in, have played a part in and, and delivered for us and just great talking about it isn't it and we won we won as Colin says <laughs> it's just about time and uh, yeah just, uh, just a great great moment people, people always talk about how Watfordy Watford can be at times that was so un Watfordy it's unbelievable <laughs> it gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson Arlo Arlo how are you doing? good just a few short days now until we all head to Wembley I was just wondering Arlo what does it mean to you Watford getting to the FA Cup final? Uh, it makes me feel proud of how do you think you'll feel walking into the ground on that on that day on Saturday? Nervous. I remember you gave some advice. We said what one thing should 
Watford supporters take to the semi-final and he gave some very very sensible advice he said you said they should take hope so have you got any similar words of words of advice what do you think Watford fans should take with them to the FA Cup final Courage. Arlo what a wonderful answer I'm looking forward for us hopping on the train and going to to Wembley together have you got a common horns not bad you're feeling a bit poorly aren't you so you did you did well there cheers Arlo We are outside Vicarage Road uh, this evening. Uh, there's a charity game going on inside, uh, and we know as, as we always do. When we do this podcast. We're, we're not far away from from Graham Taylor and his, uh, his his statue, which was open last summer. Colin, you were there in '84. I wasn't. Uh, none of us were apart from you. For you though, going back now, it's your second FA Cup final. Oh, I've been to one before. You know, but what, for you though, what what is what does this game mean to you? second time round. Well, I went with my mum to that game. She's no longer with us, so I've been thinking quite a bit about her. But the other thing I wanted to say is, if you support Watford, which is a small club, everyone knows that you support them. All your friends, people you work with, they all know. And so, what's interesting is that if you support Man United and you're in a cup final, no one goes and you go, oh, good luck on Saturday. No one, they're, yeah, so they're not going to do that, because you're a Man United fan. And, but if you're a Watford fan, so every time I will go to the shops, we go, good luck Saturday. There you're going. You got your ticket? Yeah. The butchers, the bakers, everybody. And all my friends have been texting me, good luck, God, we really want you to win. And so, obviously, it's a, it's a giant killing situation. Back in 84, it wasn't really. We were, we were, having, one of our, we were having a very good season and, and we felt well capable of beating Everton. But the feeling that I'm feeling now is very similar to the feeling I had then. I'm trying to keep a lid on, on, the, on the cup fever. I'm trying not to get too excited, obviously, because we are playing hell of a good side and that is that's a difficult one to prepare for even as a fan I'm finding it quite difficult to think well you know it's Man City <laughs> so it's hard to get excited like we're going to win the cup because obviously the chances are that is a very difficult thing for us to achieve but I have been thinking a lot about uh, my mum and she really was the person that got me into football and football is so much about family and so uh, th- those are the things that I've been thinking about but I also think that the club feels very similar it feels very unified. It feels not only unified within itself, within the squad and the coaching and the, you know, the executive and the owner and all of that. It also feels more connected to the community than it has probably since then. And when uh, GT came back and, and got us back in, the, in the, the Premier League, we didn't really have the same resources to, to sustain uh, that moment and we came straight back down but back in, in in 84 we'd had seven glorious years of promotion after promotion after promotion brilliant players and, and here was the absolute sort of pinnacle of the Taylor era first time around which was to be in a cup final and when I grew up we were in division four division three division four and you know the idea of what for being in a cup final was just ludicrous and yet it, within a very short space of time it had been achieved we didn't win which was which was heartbreaking it was literally heartbreaking because they were there. You know, we we'd beaten them that season. It wasn't like they were. It's, it's not like it feels now. Or it does feel like it's a, it will be a giant killing. And it's a question maybe for later in the podcast. But you know, would it be what for winning the FA Cup against Manchester City? Would it be the biggest shock in FA Cup history? Mm. We'll figure that one out later on. I think Colin's got some stats ready. Um, <clears throat> but Mike, but let's think. You know, think, you know Colin's <laughs> talked about how. Yeah, you know, the club's changing. You know, we're opposite the 
the Hornet shop and we can see that poster they've got up and it's got two halves to it, it's got 84 and 2019, it's got Barnes and Jacket and, and GT on one side, the other side it's got Dini and Delafeu and Javi. You know, Colin, you said there, 84 was, felt like it was going to be the pinnacle. Literally, this w- for me, this would be about as good as it could ever get at this point, the way football has changed. It would be an absolute, not fluke, but just so many things would have to get in line for us to be able to get anywhere near winning a Premier League, let alone another FA Cup. Should we give up if we win? I know what you mean. I know, I know exactly what you mean. And I think I mean, what next? It's sort of like, yeah, it's like retiring, going out in the top, winning the Oscar and saying, right, no more films because my next one will be a dud. I get where, I, I absolutely get where you're going. And I think, yeah, if, and you often think, you think about, I often think about Leicester supporters. I know quite a few of them. You think, well, how's life after that? That incredible, unreachable high, that it should be unreachable high, that moment, that... How do you go on after? Not go on. <laughs> not, not quite that. Not quite that dramatic. But you know, you go to you know your next game is Watford at home or you know whatever. You've got Charlton away in the in the League Cup and you've won the league as Leicester City in a in an era where it, it should be impossible. So yeah, and and you talk about how many things would have to fall into place for Watford to win the Premier League. The amount of things have to fall into place for Watford to get an FA Cup final is. Is, is extraordinary. Um, you know, you look at the amount of clubs that enter it, all the league, all the league clubs that end up. The number of clubs that will have played in this tournament, we're down to the final two. So yeah, it's it, it's an, an extremely rare occasion. And if we did win it, I haven't quite let myself dream about. I haven't quite. I have, I've pictured Troy with the trophy. I have done a couple of times, but it, it, it goes again. <laughs> it, it goes again because I'm like, nah, I can't even let myself think that, that that would be a thing so I I don't think about Watford winning the FA Cup which which sounds silly and, and I have got cup fever but it's about that day it's about that event it's about us being in the spotlight it's about us as a podcast enjoying it Colin's talked about family it's about our family enjoying it it's about the day it's about Wembley it's about you know he's going to say grandstand grandstand won't be on but you know you know <laughs> yeah. exactly what I mean we Watford will be on the tip of everyone's tongue and that's that's what I'm thinking about so if we actually went on and won it I think we're going to need to do the podcast very, very quickly after Troy lifts the trophy <laughs> because I don't know what I don't know what I do with myself. And, it, and it, I do think it's interesting when when you do think about football and, and winning trophies because actually your life pretty much stays the same, doesn't it? A professional footballer's lifted a pot and everyone still goes home at the end of the day. <laughs> so it's it's an odd thing. What what do you do once you've climbed Everest? You know, it's it's a, it's a quite. God, what's, not, what's the phrase? Not esoteric, but um, what does esoteric mean? <laughs> That's me. A, it's a bit much for this podcast. But you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a wide... It's, it's a sort of... So, yeah, I think we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole, a bit of a psychological <laughs> rabbit hole that we don't necessarily need to go down. The short, the, the short, the short answer is, will we give up if, when Watford win the FA Cup? No, because then we've got Europe. <laughs> <laughs> there is, for me, though, there is a sort of... This is the missing piece of the Watford jigsaw to it. It's the one thing that sort of always nags at the back of my head: the fact that the unmentionables from up the road and the likes of Queens Park Rangers have won the League Cup. They have got one of the domestic major trophies, and we don't have one of those. We've got a fantastic team, we've got a fantastic stadium, fantastic community spirit, fantastic training ground. Everything is fantastic, apart from the fact that our trophy cabinet is missing a major domestic yeah, trophy and it's yeah. that one thing that nags me about our yeah, club yeah you've asked the guys about what about what the what the FA Cup final means to them and I think I there's loads of so many strands to that it's, it's almost in, it's impossible to cover but I think there's one from a selfish point of view like Jason says for the club 
as a kid, you you always look at the you know the role of honour and the sort of fourth division titles and first division titles that sort of thing. I had a little wander around the the Graham Taylor statue just to see if they put FA Cup runners up on there, mm. and they and they do. It's about time we had another another one on that statue, isn't it? And I think the kudos that it gives the club is is massive. I think Jason summed up nicely that little there's an itch there, isn't there, that needs that needs scratching, and uh, it's it's fabulous that we've got the opportunity to do it. But I think it means masses, absolutely masses, to this club to be able to to, to have a go at winning the FA Cup. So come then, Colin. We're playing Manchester City. They're quite good. I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen them play a few times the last two years. We haven't done the best against them. But we're getting better. We got absolutely throttled by them a couple of times a few years ago. That isn't the case anymore. Is it literally like we've got to climb Everest? Or is it just just a slightly steep hill? Uh, it's a bit more than a steep hill. But I think uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Javi decides to play against them because the last time we played against them, we got done by a massively offside goal, which was very bizarre. And up until that point, it was about the 50th minute, we'd really contained them well and we'd frustrated them. And the thing about City is that you've got to slow them down. And if you let them play at a high tempo, they will tear you to pieces. And the way to slow them down is to press them so they have to make short passes in directions they don't want to make them. And because, there's, because of Guardiola, and I'll say this, and obviously he's a brilliant coach, and he's been a great innovator in, in football, but his teams are programmed to do what he says. They don't improvise. They do what he says, and if they can't do what he says, they, look, they can look a bit at a loss. And it happened against Spurs. Spurs scored three goals against them at the Etihad. So they do have these odd moments where a team sets themselves up does something to them and they slightly collectively lose the plot and they're all looking over at, uh, at Pep going what uh, it, what not, I'm trying to do what you told me to do we worked on it all week but I can't do it because he won't let me he can't so, find his uh, little uh, controller for his uh, Super <laughs> yeah, Nintendo yeah, yeah. To, and they, to go and I don't mean that as a criticism because obviously they've got wonderful players but I would rather be playing them than Liverpool right now because Liverpool are a team of great improvisers and they've got incredible creativity they've also got a really hard core at the middle uh, and they've got a brilliant defence, which I have to say is not necessarily Man City's strength at the moment, their defence. So I think we've, we, we have played better against them. We had the 2-1 where Pep said we had to suffer in the last 10 minutes. If you remember that, I think it was this game at the beginning of the season. The offside goal, slightly, we slightly collapsed, but we still got, got a goal. So we, we've been better against them than the aforementioned uh, Liverpool. But uh, it, I think, for me... It would be a massive shock. I don't know whether it would stand alongside... We were talking earlier about Sunderland beating Leeds. Leeds were absolutely awesome in 1973. They were just... They were like... They were like City. They were, they were fantastic and they were absolutely hard as nails and, they, and under Tom Revy and everyone hated them. And that's not quite true now, but it was an incredible shock and Southampton beat Manchester United and Coventry won it and obviously Wigan recently beat Man City. But I think this Man City side is really, really absolutely top level. All right, they haven't managed to get to the Champions League final, but they've won their back-to-back... Uh, Premier League 198 points in two seasons it's insane so uh, the idea that little old Watford are going to turn up not the ball around beat them 3-0 goes, that, that's, that's not how it's going to go but we have definitely got an opportunity they would have to have a bit of an off day 
the tactics that Javi sets them up with would have to be absolutely spot on and really well executed and most importantly we cannot go a goal behind after eight minutes mm. and secondly when we get a chance we have got to yeah, take yeah. it and if we can take it and get our noses in front and Swansea proved this and Brighton played well against them in the semi-final you know they, they can have days and if you thwart them and frustrate them they get frustrated they're not a patient bunch they want to win straight away and so if we can do that if we can get to half time without having conceded a goal then we are in with a chance this is this is the wider issue. You've brought me back down to earth talking about the actual plumbing game. <laughs> I didn't come. No, I didn't come here for that. But I think it's you know this is that is a slight the slight nagging doubt is you don't want to be coming away from this game having been walloped, do you? Because Colin talks about the heartbreak of losing to Everton, which was a very very different game. But it'd be heartbreaking if you know we've talked about we want to have we want our day in the spotlight. We want to be the ones talked about. We want to be the envy of all the other clubs that enter the tournament. What you don't want is when you get up to that stage, you reach the pinnacle, and you just got kicked off um, by losing four or five nil, and it's all over. Because you know Watford have done it before. We have got much, much less this season than before. But previously, we've been blown away by by the better sides far too easily. I, I don't, I don't think that'll happen. But it is obviously a concern, and it's a big, it's a big ask for Javier as, as to how he how he sets them up. Because yes, we have to go for it because it's a one-off game, it's a cup final, and you there's only one only one go at it and you, what you don't want is us to be sitting here doing the post-match podcast thinking well that passed us by a little bit and Man City have won 2-0 um, but then if you go for it you know you'd, you don't need me to list the sort of players that they've got available so this is it's, we've talked about Harry and getting his tactics right most of, most of the year another great opportunity for him and the players will be absolutely licking their lips I've got no no doubt about it um, they, yeah, there is talent there um, there's been a couple of them that have been coasting a little bit we haven't seen the best out of them for whatever reason for the last last month six weeks or so we're expecting to see um, those guys at their best on, on on Saturday just need a few things to go our way like Colin says don't concede early Jose don't get sent off after 30 seconds after this reprieve we just need that we just need to get into the game if we grow into this game if we get a foothold and, 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 and compete for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes it's game on um, hopefully it'll be a fascinating encounter hopefully it'll be one we can remember Liverpool Wimbledon's the one I'm remembering at the yeah, moment and I'm not likening us to Wimbledon I think we're, we're obviously a far better well that's not fair they, they won the FA Cup they beat, they beat Liverpool who were in, when I was growing up untouchable no one beat Liverpool it's like the like Man United of the, of the 90s you just didn't beat them uh, and Wimbledon turned them over so there is hope there we just need to turn up we really really need to do it it's exciting we've got one shot at this We've got a great squad of players, probably the best squad that we've had since we've returned to the Premier League. As Colin said, we've got the best togetherness since we've, we've returned to the, the Premier League. Um, the fans are, are more unified and up for it than the, uh, since we've been in the Premier League. And we've got the best head coach in, since we've been back in the Premier League. Massive, massive opportunity. My cup fever's back. I've forgotten all about Manchester City. <laughs> Come on, you Onyx! <laughs> Jason, put yourself in Javi's shoes. What, what do you think the two, three main things he's going to be telling them in the next few days, in the, in the, the minutes before they go out onto that Wembley pitch? They've heard, you know, after abide with me and all that sort of stuff. What, what are the key things you think Watford and some of those players are going to have to do to, to be in that game, to win that game? I think the main thing is no regrets. I think yeah. they can't go out there feeling indecisive, uh, not sure and what they're doing, not sure of their worth up against this, this fantastic side that we've been talking about, to go out there, give it their all, 
for some of these guys, this could well be their last opportunity. Hopefully for Watford, it isn't. And we don't have to wait another 35 years. But for some of these guys, they are at the latter end of their careers and there's a good chance they'll never get to play in as big a game as this ever. For a lot of them, it will be their biggest game ever. And, and they'll never get an opportunity like it. I think for Javi, I think he probably has one big decision to make. And I think that is who he plays at centre-back alongside Cathcart. Because I'm not convinced that he knows whether it's going to be Mariapa or Cabaselli. You know, Jason, who are you picking? I think... <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think... And this, and, and this might go against what other people say. Well, we'll figure that out, Jason, by the noise they're about to make. Mm. I think I'll play Cabaselli. <laughs> because, because, I, 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 and I've talked about this before about Mariapa, how he, he's great, sort of, when balls are wide, sort of crosses coming into the box, sort of those last ditch tackles and that, he's great. I don't think he's as good when teams are trying to sort of pull us around and sort of pull players out of position. He gets caught out by that a little easier. And I think Cabaselli might be better at that or, or is it is it is it the the, the sort of, I, I don't want to say best of a bad bunch but it, it's it, I, it's a really really difficult decision and that's why I'm bringing it up maps all day long for me and I'll tell you why because I watched the game on Sunday and Cabaselli let uh, Mark Noble walk right past him without putting just got totally done by a bloke who runs slower than I do as I said on Sunday and I think <laughs> that, that for me if that moment it's like right you're on the bench or you play all three and play and play maps yeah. in the middle because of his pace, because he can close people down really fast. He's incredibly brave, probably the bravest uh, player at the club, because he just will throw himself in front of anything, as he's done many times in the last couple of seasons. But if I had to pick one or the other, I think I would definitely go for for Mariapa. I think he deserves it. Yeah, I think Mariapa is. I think it's probably doing him down to call him more of a functional defender, and Cabaselli is more of a ball playing defender but I'd, I have to say with Colin I think he finds himself out of position a lot he I don't know he just worries me more than the, more than Mariapa but he could be he could be the answer he could be the thing that unlocks it it could be the difference it's a really big it's a really big decision um, and I, think, I know exactly where Jason's coming from the best of a bad bunch I, that, no he didn't mean it in, in, to sound quite so negative Jace but uh, <laughs> it's difficult aren't we we've got to shuffle a a limited pack to be to be perfectly honest and uh, I've said it all along it sounds a bit championshipy doesn't it our, our defensive lineup and when you're coming up against something like Man City it is is a worry both of them are capable um, I'd, I'd, for me you're going to get a more solid stable basis and I've talked about that initial 10-20 minutes getting a foothold in the game I think you're probably more likely to get that with Mariapa and Cathcart than than Cabaselli, who uh, still haven't quite got over him lying down at Bournemouth. <laughs> um, so maybe that's, that's sticking in. A long time ago, Mike. I think, think Cabaselli at his best, at yeah, his best, yeah, 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 in form, definitely. would be picked. Yes, like he's been very inconsistent all yeah. season long. And the thing about Maps is, you know what you're going to get, and he has been very consistent. He made one mistake for the Palace goal, really. That's his only really big mistake of the season, uh, when Batshuayi got it off him and he, and he yeah. nipped in the score. But apart from that, you know, he, he's, he, you, can, you can rely on him. And I think that that's important, particularly in the first 10 to 15 minutes. So I, I think I would, I would stick with, uh, yeah, with Maps. I feel like I have to back Jason up here to even out the odds. <laughs> you don't know, you don't have to. I'll go, I'll go Prudel. Oh, you'd be different. Yeah, we haven't mentioned Britos. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with someone different. The, the rest of the team's picked itself. We saw it on, 
on Sunday. That was the team. He put it out there, Colin. Maybe, you know, we're, we're pretty sure that Gomez is going to. I mean, the BBC have painted Gomez on the wall over there. I mean, that's definitely, he's got to start if the BBC have painted him on the wall, on the mural down there. It's going to um, be a surprise if Pontus Dahlberg <laughs> takes to the field, isn't it? To be honest, but yeah. But is, is it it's straightforward? Am I, am I being a bit. Obvious yeah, that, is that same, well, is, is, there a right. is there a different lineup there could I think be? You're probably right. It's going to be Caputo, Coro, Pereira, Hughes, Delafeo, and Dini. But there is a possibility that he might start the game with only one up front, which would probably mean just pulling Delafeo over to the right and sticking Hughes more in, either in between uh, Capu and Decore or just ahead of them and having a five-man rather than putting Capu on Dini's shoulder. Now that is a possibility, and that's you don't change the personnel, but you change the system in order to try and soak up. Uh, the pressure that you're you know, you know if we get 30% possession in this cup final we'll have done well yeah. uh, but that doesn't mean you can't win it look plenty of teams Leicester I don't, in, their, in, their, in their Premier League title run I don't think they ever had more possession than the opposition in a single game all season long so it, it's, it's, a, it's a nothing stat the possession stat but you have to prepare for it we're going to have it 30% of the time they're going to have it 70% of the time so you're going to have to run a lot to be very well organised keep your shape and soak up a lot of pressure that's, that's a given I think so maybe if you push Delefeu over Keep Dini as the, as the kind of upfront fulcrum for the team, and then you allow Hughes a more central role to help Decore and, and Capu, uh, so that they can they can sort of, we can stay in the game. Or you know there are there are other options, but I, I can see him starting with that formation. Then maybe if you know we, we, he can change it and push Delafeo into a more advanced position, throw Hughes out. But our two wide players, Pereira and Hughes, they don't play that wide anyway, and we rely on our fullbacks to help us out. And Kiko and Holobas, I would say, will be most likely to be the starters. Oh, but <laughs> can I just say can we literally forward wine because I'm ready to go to this cup final I'm right about now I'm really ready to go to this cup final but this podcast is going out on Wednesday uh, there's a oh, I don't know if you downloaded the, the latest Hornet Heaven with the, the excitement of, uh, of Henry Grover the father of Watford Football Club and how excited he was uh, over the last couple of weeks um, and uh, there's another couple of bits and bobs to cover Hornet Heaven and we've got a special podcast coming out on Friday Colin is off on secret special mission tomorrow uh, and we'll see if that comes off we don't quite know if he has the, the powers of the SAS to be able to, to do what he needs to be able to do uh, but we'll see uh, you'll be able to see and listen to a podcast hopefully on Friday plus Michael, we might be coming here on Friday afternoon. It might be a little mini podcast on Saturday morning. Yes, who knows? There is uh, murmurings of some sort of kick around on the uh, on the Vicarage turf, which on Vicarage Road turf, which uh, some of our number may or may not be lucky enough to, <laughs> uh, to to play a part in. So, yeah, lots of uh, lots of activity. That's what I mean about this this FA Cup final week. It just feels like stuff is happening. Just looking over there at that mural and yes it's a BBC sponsored thing and yes the other one is a EE sponsored thing but it is great it feels this this might sound a bit sort of corny saying it it feels like a big time week we're in the eye in the middle of a big time week and I absolutely bloody love it <laughs> absolutely magnificent loads going on for, for us as a podcast should be fun on Friday and obviously we'll see as many of you as possible on Saturday. Absolutely cannot wait. Bring it on. We're going to have that big F, uh, from the Rookend FDRE flag. Uh, if we can put it up somewhere, it's pretty big. Last word I want to say is that a seventh of the world's population will be watching this game of football and almost all of them 
apart from Man City fans and a certain group of fans from up the road. And there's one in South London. Yeah, there are. And maybe one on the South Coast. Okay, so there's some more. (laughs) Basically, a seventh of the world population are going to be watching it and the vast majority of them are going to be rooting for us. And that feels fantastic. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. More podcasts to come this week. uh, And do make sure you subscribe to get those straight to you uh, when you need them. We're going to Wembley and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. Do you know the word to buy with me, Mike? Um, I will do. <laughs> Starts with abide with me. And it ends with <laughs> abide with me. I think it does. Thank you very much. And we'll see you at Wembley.